0: So how many of you guys already have plans to hit the steakhouse after church for lunch today? <laughs> a few hands are up. So our 21-day our fast is it's over. Um, so I have to tell you guys a story. It's been years ago, but my husband and I were at a different church, and we did a juice fast, and um, I think we went 12 days. And so we, you know, we were making our fresh juices. So it was just, that's all we had was just this liquid fast for 12 days. And we had this brilliant idea that we were going to break our fast at a Chinese buffet. You guys know where I'm going with this. So we're hungry, right? You walk in and you're like smelling all these foods. And so, of course, it's a buffet. So we're like filling up our plates. And so... We get to the end of our meal and I think our conversation was getting shorter and quieter. And he looks at me, he's like, I think you're gonna have to drive home. And I looked at him, I said, I can't drive home. (laughs) In fact, we might need to go to the hospital because we were feeling like we couldn't think straight. Like there was this horrible brain fog. It It was absolutely terrible. So my advice to you, do not hit the Chinese buffet for lunch. But we are on our third and final, final week of Listen for the Whisper. And I'm excited to share with you guys uh, what God has put on my heart this morning. I do wanna take a moment and welcome our online family. Can we just just give them a welcome this morning? And then also our Concord family, let's welcome them as well. Pastor Chris is in Berkeley Springs today, so they're not going to be joining us today. They've got him live. And um, I want you guys to stand up with me because we're going to jump into the word this morning. I have a lot that I want to share with you, so we're going to go ahead and jump in. And we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into the households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men you however have followed my teaching my conduct my aim in life my faith my patience my love my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at antioch at iconium and lystra which persecutions i endured yet from them all the lord rescued me Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then we're going to hit John chapter 16 verse 12, which says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Father God, we want to hear from you this morning. We want to hear your whisper this morning, God. I pray that you, that you whisper in each and every ear this morning, God, exactly what each and every person needs to hear from you today. That you meet us where we are today, God. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So just a little recap here. We have the Apostle Paul, and this is his second letter to Timothy. And he's warning Timothy that in the last days, there's going to be difficulties because of the character of people. And we read this long list of what the character of these people are going to look like. And it's not to say that that this wasn't already happening, but he's saying it's going to continue to get worse over time. Paul points out circumstances that he's faced and where Timothy has has been alongside of him and he's seen his character in these circumstances. He's seen how he's handled them. And he says, Timothy, remember that, that even though I had these difficulties, that the Lord rescued me. And then he reminds Timothy that he has been acquainted with sacred writings and scriptures from his childhood. Timothy, you've been taught these things even as a child growing up. And these are the things, these words are from God, and they are what make you wise for salvation through Jesus. He tells Timothy that all scripture is breathed out by God. That it's the scripture, the words that are breathed out by God where truth lies. It convicts us of sin. It corrects us when we're moving in the wrong direction. It trains us how to live inwardly as well as outwardly. And then he says that the word of God does this so that the man of God may be complete, that we can be equipped for every good work. In other words, the word of God equips us to live the life of a disciple of Christ to carry out all that he has called us to do. And then we read in John 16, where Jesus is here talking to his disciples. And up until this time, he's been the one that's been their example. He's been the one to lead them, to guide them, to counsel them. And he's saying, I'm not going to be here much longer, but I'm sending someone who's going to take my place. And and this person, the Holy Spirit is going to take this role. And he begins to kind of explain what the Holy Spirit's role is going to look like in their lives and that he's going to take what he hears from heaven and he's going to interpret that and he's going to begin to reveal things to them, even things to come. So the first thing I want to point out here is that scripture is the ultimate authority. We're going to start with a little bit about who God is and God's authority since we know that scripture comes from him. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty Revelation 22, 13, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Exodus 3, 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Romans 13, 1, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God. Chris and I were listening to a song on the way here. You guys probably remember Nicole C. Mullen sang a song called Redeemer. And the very beginning of that song says, who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? Who told the ocean you can only come this far? And then who told the moon where to hide until evening? The alpha and the omega. I want to remind anybody who walked in this morning who feels like your problem is too big for our God, that he is the alpha and omega. He is the great I am. He is who he says he is, who he has always been, who he always will be. All authority belongs to him and all authority is given by him. He cannot be overruled and he has the final say, period. Paul tells Timothy in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. So God has all authority, which means his words have all authority. It was by the authority of his words that he told the ocean how far it could come. It was by the authority of his words that he placed light in the midst of darkness. You guys probably grew up with a mom like me who did not like for her authority to be questioned. And so she would tell me to do something that I didn't really want to do. And I would say, why? And she would say, because I, yeah, because I said so. This is God's word. God's word is final because he said so. Because he is who he is, because he is the great I am, because he is the one in all authority, who has always existed and who always will. His word is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Our world offers us a lot of so-called wisdom, does it not? Wisdom on how to have a great marriage, how to bring up our kids, what to do with our money, how to be a great leader. But wisdom that can be fully trusted is going to line up with what God's word tells us. What does God's word say about marriage? What does God's word say about bringing our kids up? Second Peter 1.19. And we have the prophetic word and more fully confirmed. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, what is in this book is not coming from man. It's coming from God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of the truth will be blasphemed and in the greedy they will exploit you with false words their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep he's saying there's going to be false teachers who were teaching things that do not fall in line with the truth of god's word Paul and Peter both have told us here that we need to pay attention. Make sure that that what you're listening to and what you're hearing is confirmed by the word of God. Because only when we know the Bible can we test what we're hearing. We can know where the whisper is coming from because how many of you know that there are a lot of whispers out there and not all of them are coming from God? Acts chapter 17 verse 10 The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Luke is saying that these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they were examining the scriptures for themselves. They're taking what they're hearing and they're going to the scriptures and, and they're, they're comparing it and they're making sure that what's being told them is the truth. You and I have to be careful whose teachings we're sitting under. Is what they're saying scripturally accurate? Even people who are close to us, who mean well, can lead us in the wrong direction. Last time I was here, I shared a story about years ago, um, a, a couple that went to church with us, how they took advantage of us and put our family in a very difficult situation. And there were, were friends and family members and even people at our church that, that were trying to get us to act in a way that we knew was not biblical. So we have to be careful whose which voices we're listening to. Paul told Timothy, you've sat under my teachings. You've observed my character in times of trouble. You have seen the fruit of my life, Timothy. You were raised in knowledge of scripture. Continue to pay attention to who it is that's teaching you and don't be led in the wrong direction. God's word and his whisper will always confirm scripture. We read just a few moments ago in John 16 where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and he says he's not going to speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears from heaven is what he's going to speak. The Holy Spirit will come and he speaks to us what he hears from the Father. And it's never going to contradict what's found in the word. And then we read in 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressively says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So he's saying, and not only are there people in this world that are deceiving people, but there are spirits in this world that are deceiving people. We already see that. People relying on false religions, crystals, palm readers, desperately seeking for answers in their lives. The only place to find truth is in God's word. And the truth is, is that you and I had better know what it says. We'd better know what it says because there's a lot of people being mislead, misled because they don't know what the word of God says and like Paul said, as we come closer to Jesus coming back, things are going to get worse. And there's going to be more people rising up, teaching things that go against what God's word says, misleading people. We have to know what the word of God says for ourselves. Second Timothy 3.15, where Paul's saying, look, you, from childhood, you've been acquainted with these sacred writings. He's reminding Timothy, you've been taught this. They were instilled in Timothy's heart and in his life. And it was there that he would find truth for every situation. So my mom believed in the power of Neosporin. Anybody else have a mom who believed in the power of Neosporin? So if I got a cut, an abrasion, whatever it was, it was peroxide, peroxide. Neosporin band aid. My nurses are, are shaking their head at me. Every single time I knew the drill. Peroxide, neosporin, band aid, right? And as I get older, I, she didn't have to tell me because I knew the drill. You guys say it with me. Peroxide. Yes. And she believed that it needed to be the very first thing you did. Go and do this right away as soon as you get hurt because it's gonna kill the germs, it's gonna prevent infection, it was the immediate response that was important. Because what could have happened if that wasn't the immediate response, right? Infection, pain, trip to the doctor, which would cost money, gangrene, amputation. (laughs) Who knows, right? You just never know. God's word should be the very first thing we apply to our situations. The Bible tells us that in this world, you and I are going to have troubles. We live in a fallen world. We're going to have problems. We're going to have troubles. It's going to happen. It's imperative that we know God's word so that his word is the first thing that we apply to our situation. Not stress. Not worry, not fear, but his word, trusting his word to be truth. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Here God is commissioning Joshua after Moses had died just before they stepped foot into the promised land. And he's telling him, I have a plan for you. But in order for you to succeed in what I've called you to do, you must not only know what my word says, but you need to meditate on it. You need to keep it at the forefront of your mind, obeying all that it says, because it's only then that you're going to have success. In other words, you need this. Do not even attempt to do it on your own. The word meditate in this passage means to mutter, to mutter, to speak it. It's not enough to just read God's word and to know God's word, but we need to speak it. We need to speak it over our situations. I like what Bill Johnson from Bethel Church says. He says that meditating on God's word is best described by a cow chewing its cud. Because he brings it up over and over again, and he chews it to get as much nutrients as he can get from it as possible. So when we are meditating and we're chewing on God's word, we're muttering it out of our mouths. We're taking this, this scripture passage that has power and it has authority. And we begin to speak it over and over and over again. Allowing what's in the truth, allowing the truth that's in that scripture to penetrate us. To take hold, to take root, to grow and to flourish. So that when I begin having problems in my finances, instead of fear being my first resort and worry and stress, I know that Philippians 4.19 says that my God is going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I can take that scripture and I can speak it over my life and I can speak it over my situation and I can give God thanks and praise That he is my provider, not my job or my employer, but he is my provider, that he is going to take care of me. When we are meditating on God's word day and night, our thoughts are constantly on him and what his word says. Our minds are fixed on the truth rather than on our problems. How might our situations or even our lives look different if God's word was our first response rather than our last ditch effort? Deuteronomy 11:18 You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall teach them to your children talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land for the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. Here the Israelites are being taught the importance of knowing what God has said, following these words and instructions that God has given them. And then he goes on to say, you need to teach this to your children. When you're getting up, when you're going to bed, parents, we're instructed to teach the word of God to our kids and to our grandchildren, to not only read it, but to to discuss it throughout the day, look for opportunities to talk about it with them. What is, what does God say about disobeying our parents? What does God's word say about doing everything in excellence? Why do we worship? Why do we pray? How do we pray? Teaching them that there is power in his word that they can speak it over their lives and over their situations We just came out of a 21-day fast. What a perfect opportunity to teach our kids about fasting To opening up God's word and saying this is what this is what God's word says about fasting This is why we fast So this morning, I brought this Bible with me This was my grandmother's Bible And I'm going to open it up for you guys here, and you probably won't be able to see, but I'm going to open it up anyway. Because my grandmother's Bible, from front to back, is there's just all this writing. And there's underlined passages and, and there's, there's highlights from front to back, from, from Genesis to Revelation, all throughout here. There's notes in here that, that my grandmother wrote down. I could almost imagine her sometimes just maybe even in tears going through God's word, underlining these promises, like God, I know this to be your truth. And see, my grandmother, was one who she she set aside time daily to read God's word and then she got to the point to where she couldn't see anymore and she she got uh CDs and so she would be listening to to God's word all the time and as a child uh, my grandmother lived w- with us for a long period of time so I always saw her in the word I always heard her praying and and I always heard even those CDs playing And you see what's significant about the fact that there's so much writing and so much underlining in here is because my grandmother devoured this. She knew that, that this was life. This was truth. And she took the time to instill this in me. When she would pray for me, she would pray God's word over my life. I saw the fruit of her life, and she, she made it a priority to share these truths with me on a regular basis. She was a huge part of laying this biblical foundation that I have even today. It's important that we teach our kids the power of God's word and how to apply that to their lives. Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word with my whole heart? I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We are instructed to guard our lives according to what the word of God says to keep his word stored inside of our hearts. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've been dealing with difficult situations and the Holy Spirit reaches in and pulls out a scripture and is just what I needed. A scripture that I had had stored in my heart that maybe I'd even forgot about. I can tell you that times in my life where, where I was dealing with depression, that these are the words that I stood on. Times in my life where I had anxiety attacks and I didn't know they would ever end. These are the words that I stood on. When we had kids that questioned the faith in God, kids that were being rebellious, this is what we stood on. When we were having difficulties in our marriage, this is what we stood on. There's power in this. There's power in these words. And you and I so desperately, desperately need to know what it says. We deal with difficult things in life. And I'm going to be honest in saying that, that what we receive here on Sunday morning is amazing. But we need so much more. We need that relationship with God where we hunger for his word. This is one of the weapons that was given to us in our fight against the enemy's attacks. And we have to be familiar with it. We have to know how to use it. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and it's active. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His word is like any other sword. It penetrates to our soul and to our spirit, to our innermost being. It has the power to transform us from the inside out. His word invades our thoughts, invades our intentions. It reveals where lies have taken root and it plucks those lies out and replaces them with truth. If we allow it to. Because the temptation can be to read just enough scripture or pull out just enough to confirm what we want to believe. Rather than allowing that word to transform our lives. There's a lot of books that sit on shelves out there that do just that, where they take in bits and pieces of God's word completely out of context. They bend them and shape them to fit their opinions of what they want to believe about certain things. And people are being completely misled because they don't know God's word for themselves. Can I just say that man can have all the opinions that we want about God's word, but God's word does not change according to man's opinions. You and I, we live in this country where we currently have the freedom to own a Bible. We can spend as much time as we want in the word of God, but this is not the case in every country. World Population Review says, The severity of the laws and the punishments for breaking them vary depending upon the specific country. In most cases, it means that Christians cannot gather to worship together in churches. Nor can they publicly express their faith or attempt to preach the gospel and attempt to lead others to adopt that faith. It frequently also means that simply owning a Bible or talking about Christianity, even among family members, in the privacy of one's own home can result in imprisonment or death. There are at least 13 countries where Bibles are illegal and can only be obtained by illegal means. So I read this and I think people are risking their lives at this very minute just to own a Bible. And here I am. I have the freedom to have as many Bibles as I can fill my house with them if I wanted to. Even have we have the word of God literally at our fingertips, apps on our phone. How often am I reading it? How often am I allowing my spirit man to absorb the words that God gave me? At once.com I found some some statistics. 60% of American Christians rarely or never read the Bible. 60%. Women are more likely to read the Bible than men with a 40% higher percentage rate. Good job, ladies. (laughs) Only 12% of churchgoers read the Bible daily. Only 25% of Christians engage in any form of Bible study. But then get this, more than 70% of Christians believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's the inspired word of God, but yet we're not even picking it up to read it. While Christianity, they go on to say, while Christianity remains the dominant religion in America, there has been a noticeable decline in Bible reading among Christians. Christians. Surprisingly, 60% of American Christians rarely or never read the Bible. This statistic is alarming as the Bible is considered the foundational text of Christianity. It raises questions about the level of commitment and spiritual growth among Christians in the country. (laughs) And it makes me think about we read what we read just a moment ago about people that are, are risking their lives. Their lives are like, could you imagine if they were to come to this country and sit, inside, and sit inside this room and say, you guys, you guys wouldn't believe what I had to go through. The links that I had to go through Watching my neighbors being arrested, maybe even killed because they had a Bible in their home. How blessed you are to have it at your fingertips at all times. You can read it anytime you want. But do we? How can I say that God is everything to me, that He is my number one, that He is my very best friend, but I neglect to listen to what He has to say? Who here is married? Imagine if your spouse writes you a love letter. They write you this love letter, and I mean, they just pour their heart and their soul into it. And they bring it to you, and they hand it to you. And they're like, this is my love letter for you. They hand it to you, and you take it, and you stick it on a shelf. I'll get to it when I have time. And then they come back in the next day like, have you read it yet? Have you read about how much I love you, about how you are the apple of my eye? How I would give my life for you? That my greatest desire is to be near you. Have you read, have you gotten to that part yet? Well, my favorite show was on Netflix last night and um, had to take the kids to sports and had to scroll through Facebook to catch up on everybody. And you know what? I, as soon as I have time, I'll read it. What would that say to them? And all honestly, it would say that, that you're not really concerned with what they have to say. Many of us say that God is the most important person to me, but through the act of not reading his word, we communicate that what he has to say to us is not important. These are his words in written form to us. God's word is a love letter to us and so much more. It's our instruction manual for life. It has the power to break chains. It is the best parenting, marriage, money, leadership that we will ever read. How often are we reading it? Does God know by our actions that we desire to know what he has to say to us? I'm gonna invite the band to come up with me. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We read earlier that as we get closer to the end of this world, things are gonna just continue to get darker. And we all know that the the darker it is, the more impossible it is to see, to see where you're at and to see where you're going. This says, first of all, that his word is a lamp to my feet. Think about being in a place that you've never been before and all the lights go out, it's completely dark. What are you gonna do? You're gonna stop right? You're not going to walk any further. Why? Because I don't know what's in front of me. His word lights our feet. It shows us where I'm at. Am I okay where I'm at or do I need to move? Am I getting ready to fall in a hole? Am I getting ready to step in a trap? And then it says that his word is a light to our path. So it doesn't just show us where we're at, but it's going to show us where to go. When you're in complete darkness, there's nothing more important or that you desire more than a light to show you where to go. You wouldn't feel safe taking a step without light. And here it is. Here it is. Given to us out of God's great love for us at our fingertips anytime we want it. It's here. And I understand life is busy. Life is busy. We have a lot pulling at us. But honestly, and if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we will make time for what we value. Do we not? If we value something enough, we're going to make time for it. Not everything that keeps us busy is necessarily bad. They can be great things that we're doing. And you know, the enemy's okay with us staying busy doing great things as long as it keeps us out of God's word. And why is that? Because he knows that in God's word is where we find freedom, where we find the truth. John 8:31 So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him If you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? It will set you free.